1: CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado. You're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. Hey, what's up, guys? We're out here in Las Vegas. Ross Hipster's Glasses Martin, King of Thornton, Jeff Morton, not with me, but I'm here with Adam Mares. Did I pronounce that right? No. Damn it! Damn it! For like the 20th time, no. But you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm very unlike Mike and Nori. Right. I don't don't, don't get names that well. Uh, We're here in Las Vegas at Summer League just doing a little quick podcast from the hotel room talking about Summer League. Let's just talk generally first about Summer League. What have you liked, Adam, so far about your first experience here in the desert?
0: In short, everything. I mean, this is uh, for basketball junkies. This is uh, the place to be. I'll say first for a fan, if you have a chance, come out here. Because there's been, uh, you know, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Kings. There's been a ham- uh, the, the Bulls. There's been some teams that have really traveled well and they packed the stands. And I keep thinking, if I'm a fan, a trip to Vegas first of all is awesome, and then to spend two <laughs> to four hours a day just watching hoops. This is like the perfect venue because. You're right there close to the action. You're basically sitting courtside. There's all kinds of players in the stands that you can interact with. The coaches are very accessible. It's just kind of a very like intimate setting to watch NBA basketball. So it's, it's awesome.
1: You see a lot of guys, too, even just stopping players, coaches, reporters for pictures, autographs, that kind of thing. Even yesterday, right before the Nuggets game started, we had Adrian Wojnarowski and Mark Spears hanging out kind of by the Nuggets of the locker room, and I was mentioning to somebody, go, that's a lot of Twitter power right there.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I, could, I knew what they were talking about, but um, no, no, it's really cool. Uh, and uh, during the regular season, you really don't get access. You don't really don't see those moments. Like, you know, we saw George Carl and Boogie and how they didn't interact with each other. And that was just like playing out right in front of everybody's <laughs> eyes. You know, you saw Pete D'Alsandro go over and, and and talk and chat and laugh with uh, Vladi Divac and it's kind of cool because you're reading about all the stuff that's going on and you're getting rumors and it's kind of cool just to watch them interact and I don't know there just seems like every moment of the day that you're at the gym there's something cool going on in the gym that you're kind of Paying attention to.
1: Which gym do you like better? Cox Pavilion or Thomas and Mac? I guess it's a Wells Fargo arena or something. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's something like
0: that. I didn't know that. Um, it's definitely Cox for, for the purpose of this one because it's uh, it's like a high school gym, basically. I mean, maybe slightly bigger than your average high school gym. Um, uh, the Nuggets have been there all three games, or all two games. There'll be a third one here tonight. And I don't know, what does it hold? Four or 5,000 people? No, maybe less than that. Probably like two. Maybe 2,000 yeah, two people. Yeah, 2,000 people max. And it hasn't even been full, so you, kind of, you really get the feeling that you're watching like a behind-the-scenes practice or something. Like you're the only one there. You can hear everybody talking. You can hear the coaches talking. Um, it's really cool, really intimate.
1: I keep bringing up the point where we could hear Moutier, he, he who's like,
0: Harris! And he yeah. moved Gary across the court, and then he
1: looked, and he was watching to make sure Eric Green went to where Harris was just to make sure he was in there. But being that close, yeah, you do get to hear that stuff, which is cool because you don't, especially for media – at Pepsi Center, we're way up in the nosebleeds, or you're in section 130. You just don't get to hear that stuff. The, the ske- sneakers squeaking, the ball dribbling, you know, you kind of miss some of that. And even hearing the coaches yell out some instruction, I mean, you get that if you sit close, but you know, how many people get to sit that close all the time? So it's definitely a unique experience. And it's cool, too, because you get to see these guys that you wonder about. You know, we, we see Ian Clark, Jamal Franklin, some of these, you know, in the bench guys. You get to see them play and you, know, you start maybe some fans even reach out and say, hey, this guy looks pretty good. He's probably going to play. And it's like, well, it's still into bench guys. you know." So yeah. it's, but the whole reason everybody's here is for these rookies, these first, second-year guys that are still playing. I saw an interview that, that Keith Bogans is playing summer league just as an attempt to get back into the league, which is kind of crazy.
0: Um, yeah, that's a little strange. And it was weird seeing Hashim Thabit, who's a guy – I always wanted to make it. For some reason, I mean, he he looks like a mountain of a man. He, he's 7'3", I think, but he looks yeah. like he's 8'3". <laughs> and I always wanted him to be good. It's kind of weird seeing him in summer league for the D-League select team because, I mean, he's probably doesn't my he... age. He's like 28 <laughs> or something at
1: this point, I think. So doesn't even own a team. Um, so what guys have you seen out here that, that you've watched more of the non-Nuggets games than I have, but what guys have, have kind of caught your eye from a league-wide perspective with these rookies or first- or second-year guys out here?
0: Uh, well, staying away from the Nuggets, because obviously we're going to spend some time on Moutier. Um, but some of the other guys, Bobby Portis is the biggest surprise. Uh, I didn't didn't really know much about him, because as I've said repeatedly on Twitter, I'm not a college guy, I'm not an NCAA guy. Um, he was at Arkansas, right? Yeah, he was. And uh, tall guy, I think close to 7 foot, if not 7 foot. Kind of a unique build. He's got kind of narrow shoulders, narrow chest, and then big hips. Kind of a, Kind of like the opposite of what you usually see, but... Um, the big hips help, so you can use that butt to yeah, move guys. Yeah. It's the Andre
1: Miller scenario, <laughs> right, right.
0: And uh, he went up against Towns, and I mean, he just—I won't—I wouldn't say he dominated him. That would be exaggerating, but—but but he won the matchup. Uh, he knocked down a three. Um, he deed up inside. He was real physical inside. He ran the court nonstop. He's got a crazy motor, and then he just put on some moves. Hits the, it, it, he had the whole package in the game against Towns, and it was really unexpected since. He's not somebody that was heavily on my radar. Yeah, cause he was, what, mid to late first round pick? Probably he, late with Chicago? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so I, I, I don't know what the pick was, but yeah, it had to have been late teens, early 20s, something in there. Um, but no, he looked great. Um, he, he really stood out as far as the guys I didn't expect. Uh, Porzingis was obviously an interesting guy to watch just because there's so much mystery around him. He's a, another one that's really, really tall, um, looks taller than everybody else out on the court. He's got an Really, he's got a weird frame too. He almost looks like Andre Karolinko. You know how Karolinko had those long arms and legs yeah. and just like flailed around. He was kind of like he kind of is like that, only even taller. And I, I I joke that his verticality is like twenty feet tall when he he puts his hands up. He's really good at this. He he does the Roy Hibbert where he just rather than try to block a shot, he just puts his hands straight up and jumps as high as he can. And that's like honestly, it's probably about fourteen feet in the air, and that just makes it impossible <laughs> to like shoot a floater over have you noticed with guys like Porzingis and
1: uh, I've kind of seen it with Nikola Jokic those big dudes that are really young that haven't really put a lot of time in in the weight room like don't seem to have that much control over their like legs and arms yet like almost like a baby deer type scenario
0: you know I would say with both of those guys I I do I do agree with that that's definitely the case with a lot of these guys but I think those two um actually have a, a lot of control both of them have really good footwork on offense Pretty good footwork on defense, actually. Um, uh, and so they've kind of impressed me with their coordination. I was thinking about this the other day with guys like Bobby Portis knocking down threes. and Towns is another one. Yes, he he's kind of struggled. Um, he's, he hasn't lived up to the hype in summer league. That doesn't mean anything. But he hasn't really stood out, I would say. But you watch his movements. You watch his passing. You watch his dribbling and things like that. And it's just so smooth. And the guy is 6'9". He's yeah. in the layup line doing... Between the legs, tomahawk dunks and three sixties, and it's just like, man, this guy is so smooth. He, he runs like a guard, and he's six foot nine. Um, but it seems like there's a lot of guys in the league that are are coming in, you know, that are legitimate stretch fours and stretch fives. They're seven footers or six ten, six eleven, and they can dribble, and shoot, and pass, and and they're multi skilled. It's kind of it's kind of fun to see. It's bizarre,
1: kind of. Even, what did you notice, Jerry and Grant at all with the Knicks? Did he stick out at all or not?
0: It, he he really didn't stick out in the one game I watched. They played, um, like I said, we've only seen him play one time. Um, but he, he wasn't really somebody that stuck out. Clay Anthony early stuck out for the wrong reasons. He took a lot of terrible shots. I think he had like three <laughs> 20-foot two-pointers with like a one-toe on the three-point line on a dribble pull-up. It's kind of the aspect of, I, was, I don't want to say AAU ball, but of
1: guys trying to look for their shots a lot out here. Like, everybody's kind of told, you know, score, look for your shots. And and guys haven't tended to be too shy about looking for them, really. Uh The
0: the funny thing about Summer League is that you have, on most rosters, you have one or two NBA guys, maybe another two fringe guys that'll be like a 12th man. And then you have a bunch of scrubs. I mean, absolute scrubs that I don't know where they find these guys. They're just trying to fill (laughs) a roster. And so you have a guy like Porzingis who can play, um, or, you know, he's a prospect, and then you have some scrub trying to feed him the ball in the post who just can't do it. And it's like, man, it's hard to get a good idea of how a guy plays when you have two or three scrubs on the floor. So you watched, you saw
1: uh, Towns play. They also had, what, Zach Levine. And, is Tyus Jones playing too? Did you? Yeah, he played.
0: And, and I heard, I read that he had a really miserable first game. The game I watched, he actually looked really good. Um, he, he, he hit some shots. He played some good D, and he made some really good passes. I think his vision is... Uh, at least in the game I saw, he had really good court vision, court awareness, um, and he stood out. Zach Levine, you know, I've never been a huge fan of his. Blasphemy. Oh, yeah, no, to, <laughs> sorry, apologies to Jeff Morton. I think Les Shapiro, too, I think he's a big yeah. uh, Levine guy. But he, uh, it's weird because, you know, he's already an established NBA player, and he came out here and was just gunning in the game I watched at him. I mean, he was... Probably shot twenty five <laughs> shots and it's like, man, I don't get you know work on your point guard skills here. We already know you like the gun.
1: Yeah,
0: it was a little strange. <laughs> Another
1: dude I was looking at too. Obviously the Lakers. There's the you know the Moutier or D'Angelo Russell conversation. Did you see D'Angelo play? I haven't seen him play yet.
0: It might be a good segue there to get into some Nuggets talk because I, I did watch uh, Russell and pre-draft. I mean, I, I it's early, too early to say I got this wrong, but pre-draft I really liked Russell more than Moutier. Um, again, i'm going off ninety percent of Draft Express and, and videos on YouTube, but yeah. I really liked him, and that for me right now, that couldn't have switched more. I mean, I really am, am not impressed with Russell. The thing I don't like about him is that he really doesn't have a change of speed. He 's kind of always going in cruise control. he 's always going about fifty percent speed, and I don't know that he has the another gear he's crafty he 's got great touch on his shot, he 's got great touch on his passes. But he comes off of a, a screen at the top of the key, and he'll have a step on a guy. But he just can't get separation because he's so slow. I mean, he's he'll be one of the slowest point guards in the NBA easily, if not the slowest. Uh, and that was that was patient. something
1: that I was listening to a podcast. I was listening to a, a scout that does some work for NBA teams, and he said one concern he had with Russell was he wasn't going to be able to get a shot. Not that he wouldn't be able to get a shot off, but that he might struggle in trying to figure out how to get a shot off in the NBA because he can't get separation and his athleticism isn't quite there. Yeah. And, then, and like you're probably leading into with Moutier, he changes speeds at an incredible rate so far. I mean, he, he's kind of able to cruise and then turn on the Jets too.
0: I mean, it's ridiculous with moody I'll say one last thing about Russell is I think he, he's really good at contested shots and step backs, and I think he'll be fine on his own scoring. I think his problem will be getting to the paint um, and then you know forcing the defense to collapse because this guy can basically, even if he loses a half step, he can recover too quickly. So that's I think that's going to be Russell's issue going forward. Moutier is the exact opposite. In a lot of ways, they're kind of a yin and a yang in what they do. Russell shoots really well. Moutier doesn't. Yeah. Um, I, and somebody, uh, I think Seth Partnow on Twitter the other day, really hit the nail on the head in that he said, Russell can hit guys in like tight pockets that aren't maybe open, and he can kind of thread the needle and get it there. Moutier collapses the defense to get the guy open, um, and it's kind of an interesting thing where uh, I, I don't know which one's more valuable. They're probably both valuable, um, and is actually really good at threading the needle. He had five or six pocket passes just yeah. in the last game, so he's also good at that. Um, but, yeah, they're night and day because I, I wrote about this today on the Stiffs page. One of Moutier's best skills is just his body control and his knack for kind of going in one one speed. He'll use like kind of a, a a crab dribble or a really high dribble just to stun the defender, kind of give a shoulder fake, and the next thing you know he turns on the Jets and he's going. And it's just like he's constantly going in four or five different speeds in a defense there hasn't been anybody in summer league so far that could even get close to containing him, uh, in you know, in, in in the open court or in pick and rolls. I
1: remember just watching the the footage of some of his high school games and watching the 2014 Hoop Summit game, and then watching some of the highlights from China, I was really, I thought that his shot started to look a little bit different and a little bit better in China, and then watching him here so far, not on his. In, you know, his step back, which he likes, I mean, you're moving, your body's moving, but on his spot up shots, it's still, it, it, I thought it was going to look better than it has, form-wise, right. and it's, his form's still kind of all over. He almost shoots on the way down sometimes, yeah. and like, I think, did you write about it in, in, in your column today, his free throws, or maybe it was a comment saying that he looks like he's all arms on those. It's, uh,
0: it's It's definitely broken, I think, I don't want to... I don't want to panic about that because we knew this coming in, and like you said, I hundred percent agree. It's completely confirmed when you watch him up close. His shot is not the mechanics of it are off. He changes it a lot. Sometimes he he does this thing with his shot where he really his feet start squared up, and then they finish one in front of the other, um, and then sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes he shoots on the way down. Sometimes he kind of um, you know doesn't follow through all the way. He kind of ends it ends it halfway into his motion. So. He's he's got a lot of variation in his shot, which is a terrible thing for a shooter. Um, but we knew that coming in. That wasn't gonna be fixed in four days of, of a training camp. I don't even think they worked on it. You know what's funny though, you look at look at like Steph Curry in the finals. Like he, he can hit shots. He's incredible
1: how he's able to hit shots while his body's moving like left to right, forward or back. So I mean you you don't necessarily have to have a perfect form, you can make stuff work. Obviously Steph has mechanics that are the same over and over again. But well, I, was, I thought maybe on some of his step
0: backs he could you know find some range or, or he'll I think he'll find success the step back is his comfort zone for sure and he's gone I mean he's probably shot seven or eight step backs in the two games we've watched um, and with, as far as mechanics go you know below the hips isn't as important as, as you know from the shoulders up. And that's with Steph Curry. If you watch him, he's the same. The shoulders are square. The arms are square. The head. Everything is the same. And his legs can do different things. He can fall to the side. He can he can kick or what have you. Um, with Moutier, that's not the case. I mean, it's it's it, the legs are different. The shoulders are different. The release is different. So, uh, but like I said, I mean, that's not. I'm not even concerned about that. It was it was to be expected. He doesn't really force a lot of shots. He forced a couple the other day. Um, And I don't even know if they were forces. more as he was just kind of exploring different aspects of his game. But by and large, he just gets into the paint. He collapses the defense and either scores, he's finishing very well for a rookie, or we've seen the awesome passes. I mean, he's collapsing the defense and throwing no-look passes across the court. He's throwing no-look passes just out of of the
1: top of the key when he's just dealing it to the perimeter. He'll look one way and fire it right or left, (laughs) and it's...
0: It's awesome. I mean, he had. To, I wrote this. The, it was really cool watching yesterday because, you know, he turned it over on the first possession of the game. After that, I don't know that he made, I mean, he made three or four plays where everybody in the press section was just kind of like looking at each other like, oh, my God, what are we watching? This is incredible. And I've watched a lot of games now in the same media section, and people are ooh and ah about a thing or two, but not like yesterday with Moutier where everybody was just, you know, their jaws were on the floor with some of the stuff he was doing.
1: Yeah, the two guys to my left, they're both senior reporters, like high level guys and they all they talked about was Moudier. The yeah. whole like the whole second half was Moudier, Moudier, he does this, he does that. So it's that's cool and you 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 mentioned it and we saw it after the game. We went from having, you know, four or five guys wanted to talk to him to Moudier was in a scrum with I don't know, twelve guys yesterday or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: easily, and probably more wanted to, you know, access, uh, get access to him. So can,
1: you can kind of tell too that he was he was asked once again about, you know, would you recommend your kid going to China? And he had a funny comment of, well, that's up to the parents, you know, like you got <laughs> you got to have a discussion about it. But you can tell he's kind of wearing a little bit thin answering questions about China and about being a mystery man. You know, he's like, look, you, you know, this is who I am. You're seeing right. two games, This isn't a fluke. Uh, I kind of like that. And then they asked him about Mike Malone, and they asked him to use kind of one word to describe Malone or something that you've noticed right away, and he just said defense. Like this guy wants you to play defense. Uh, And the other thing they talked to him about was that he mentioned on his own with Malone was he mentioned not having his dad around. His dad obviously passed away when he was young, and he mentioned you know wanting to – he hit up Malone to watch film with him. He's like, Coach, can I watch film with you? And he's like, you know, there's kind of a a fatherly relationship that could form there. You could hear Moudier talking about it. He mentioned that
0: father figure type thing. It's kind of cool. The little I've, you know, gotten to know Malone through research and, and interviews and things like that, he's going to love Moutier. The two are a match made in heaven. Um, they're both students of the game. I think they're both, their perfect Friday night is watching game film and, and you know, kind of like working on on their different crafts. So I think they're going to be a match made in heaven. I think they're going to improve and grow together, and it's going to be really interesting. M- Moutier's defense, I wrote about this today, has been really uh, suboptimal. Um, to say the least, I don't. In the defense, NBA defense is a really, really unique beast. There's all kinds of rules that only apply to the NBA and nowhere else, especially not China or high school or anything like that. So um, you know, it's, there's a lot of nuances he's going to pick over up over time. But right now, he's really not starting from zero. But he's starting. Uh, he, he's starting off uh, pretty elementary.
1: And that's not. Too terribly dissimilar for probably 80% of guys or 90% of guys.
0: Yeah, I'd say 90%. Let's
1: say another guy that's on the team that, you know, Gary Harris is a guy where we always say his defense is ahead of his offense. And is that just because his offense has been so poor or because his defense has actually been okay? Uh, What have you thought about Gary Harris so far? I've kind of been. I liked what he did in the first game, and I liked some of what he did in the second game, and I t- still tend to think that his shot's going to come. But what did you think of Harris?
0: Well, I'll lead in with this: watching the game, I watched the game. Um, I watched the replay in my room the other day as I was watching, uh, as as I was writing the report or, or the article for Denver Stiffs. Watching it on television and watching the game sitting courtside as we have, it's almost like watching two different games. And Gary Harris is really <laughs> impressive. probably the most impressive. Or the biggest difference in in uh, things you notice when you watch when you sit courtside, and what I mean is he gets a hand on the ball on I don't know maybe thirty percent of his uh, are we good <laughs> yeah it's uh, probably thirty percent of uh, of the plays he's defending on the ball he probably gets a hand on it um, he's just got quick hands almost like Tony Allen where he's got quick hands and just has a knack for. Knowing when a guy's going to cross over, knowing for when a guy's going to bring the ball up, and he just tips it or gets a hand on it, it causes a lot of either steals or just forces him into really ugly shots. Um, so I've been really impressed with his defense. I think he's, I think he has a chance to be an elite on-ball defender. Um, his offense, and I wrote about this. And I know some some of the stiff commenters haven't enjoyed it so much, but his <laughs> offense is really, um, it's not the ideal two guard. Um, He's kind of a three-guard in a two-guard's body in that he loves to slash. His first instinct when he catches the ball is to catch and go, catch it and try to attack the rim. Um, And sometimes he doesn't have a guy, you know, there's a guy five feet off of him. Uh, He needs to to get in the mind frame, in my opinion, he needs to get in the mind frame of shooting those shots, being comfortable and trusting his jumper uh, in those situations. Unfortunately, he's kind of struggled with his three-point shot. Even yesterday, I think he was two for nine from beyond the arc. Um, but but overall, like I said, it's, it's not necessarily a knock on him. It's more of a knock on what the Nuggets need and probably something in Summer League. If I, if I were him, I would probably be working on more of my catch-and-shoot uh, game. So you kind of noticed
1: him, too, on, on those catch-and-shoot situations that he's had. He's passed up three shots that I can just pull out of my memory for right now. He had two in the corner where he tried to do the – one of them resulted in him doing a pump fake, and then he drove in, and I think he got a charging call uh, he did another one where he pumped fake, tried to drive in, got stuck by the defender, and took a horrible mid-range shot. And, you know, it's it's just something where, yeah, you're, you're right. He's catching it and immediately thinks attack, which is okay. It's right, good. Right. But sometimes you got to be aware of that situation and just let it fly. Trust your shot.
0: He would become a deadly offensive weapon if he just figured out when to catch and shoot and when to attack. And so it's almost like you want to – Snake the the opposite direction and kind of overdo it on the catch and shoot side because you know his instincts his natural uh, tendencies are to try to drive. So I'd love to see him use summer league to to look for his catch and shot a little bit more, and then ho- hopefully he would figure out the right balance.
1: How about the big man, Jeff Morton's favorite post player, Nikola
0: Jokic. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I mean, Moutier obviously is the show for the Nuggets, but Jokic, I've been really skeptical of him. I, Tim Conley met with us months ago, um, after a game or something, and and was just raving about Jokic. Said so he's an incredible passer. He's got this, you know incredible touch, and I just didn't believe him because he was such a late pick last year. Yeah, I've been so impressed with him. His uh, his his basketball IQ is there. He's an intelligent player with with great instincts in ways that a lot of players don't have. He does the subtle things like he kind of. I, I wrote about how he cheats the defense. He 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 kind of tricks the defense into getting themselves out of position on the block, kind of suckers him into a spot and then seals him. And I love when seeing big guys do it. He's really, really good at it. He's got great timing on the pick and roll. He knows how long to hold the screen before rolling, when to slip, and so forth. Um, I think he's a – I don't know that he's frustrated. I think he's going to shine a lot more when and if in Summer League the Nuggets kind of play through him a little bit more. Right now, they've been fast breaking a lot. They've been putting the ball in Moody's hands, and he's creating, and it's worked out because we're crushing teams so far. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think when and if they go to him in the, in in either post situations or in pick and rolls that are designed to get him the ball, I think he's going to show a lot more.
1: Adam's getting a phone call <laughs> right now. Is it Jokic calling to yes. talk about his game?
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: it's Jok- Tell them about the shooting. <laughs> well, one thing I've noticed with Jogic, too, or one thing you will notice as this goes forward, like you said, there's so much fast break right now that it's – and Coach talked about it after the game. You know, it's, you can't get it in the post when you're running the fast break. There's no opportunity. Right. And in the preseason, you tend to see guys like, you know, obviously Gallinari, Farid, Chandler are going to need minutes to, to hone their games, so they may not be able to play him that much. But I'd like to see him get a lot of preseason minutes in
0: more of a structured NBA game. I think Jokic is, is a big part of the future for the Nuggets. Um, this, we've only seen two games of it, so this is really, really premature. But I wouldn't be surprised if he is as or more important than Nurkic in the offense, just because he's so versatile. A big man, he's, he's a phenomenal passer. Nurkic is a good passer from the elbow, and he's made some good passes out of the post. Jokic has made passes from every spot on the court. Yeah. Um, And he's made them pretty effortlessly, and some pretty complicated uh, reads on passes. So I think he's going to be a phenomenal player going forward. Um, Somebody that you can kind of run the offense through whenever you take the ball out of Moutier's hand and and let everybody else play off the ball. Uh, His shooting touch is definitely there. When he when they run sets for him, he shoots it with confidence. Shoots with a great form. Uh, His shot the other day was nothing but net. It was gorgeous. Uh, I'm impressed with him. I'm I'm really excited about about Jokic. I would say he's uh he's far exceeded my expectations coming in. I was
1: I was kind of looking at him more as a I don't know if I was looking at him as a center or as a power forward and now I feel like he's a really good power forward prospect. And I think he could share the court with Nurkic, and they would complement each other well. Being able to, I think both guys can work out of the high and low block. Sure. You know, obviously Jokic would help you space the floor, but do you see him as a power forward? Do you, do you think
0: that's his future or a small kind of a smaller center? He's not small though. Well, that's what I think is so great about him. I think he'll probably play most of his minutes at power forward, um, but he's a guy that's going to be able to pair with Nurkic and then pair with Farid or pair with Gallo. Um, he'll be able to play four in some lineups, five in others. Uh, I don't think he's going to be a great rim protector the way Nurkic is on defense, um, but he probably will be a stopgap rim protector for four or five minute stretches when you need. Um, and he's going to be a tough matchup if, if his game develops to its potential, which I think his his potential is becoming clear. You know, he's a he's a good shooter. He has good footwork in the post. He has great vision. If he develops to that, he's going to be an impossible weapon to guard. I mean, there won't be anybody in the in the league that a hundred percent can do all of the things he does. He has a, a rare Skill set.
1: How do you feel like he moves laterally,
0: like especially as a pick and roll defender? Um, you know, he was he was impressive actually. The other day um, in the last game, he got switched out onto a guard at one point um, and kind of got down in his defensive stance. The guy gave him a little crossover shimmy shake. He didn't fall for it, and then he ended up ripping him as he went up for the shot. Just stole the ball right out of his hands. Um, so I think he's actually you know he's shown some signs. His his timing is definitely off on some of his rotations under the basket, and like just when to back box out, when to get in the paint. I think guys that aren't used to, to the defensive three seconds rules, it probably takes a season or two. He's just been to living. Get, he's yeah. been living in the paint. He's, he's he's had a couple non-called like eight second yeah. second <laughs> second plays, it's no doubt. Man. And maybe uh, you know it's the it's summer league for the referees too. So yeah, and it's true. I mean, there's there are rookie refs, and
1: you're seeing the veterans helping them out. Um, One thing I've noticed too, so you have Jokic, he's got his body that looks like he probably hasn't spent a ton of time lifting weights, he hasn't spent a ton of time yet around Steve Hess, and then you have Joffrey Laverne who looks like a comic book character almost, I mean he's huge.
0: He's a man child.
1: He looks completely, he's older too, I think he's 24, maybe going on 25 soon, so his body is different, but looking at Joffrey, I can see him probably playing primarily center, like he just seems like a pretty solid player as well, and and the comparison that the Nuggets have made with him is, is Nick Collison, and you kind of see that a little bit just from you know living in the paint, can hit down a jump shot, and can hit a jump shot. Uh, I've been pretty impressed with, with Joffrey too. Joffrey is <laughs> Melvin Hunt used to
0: call him. Right. I think uh, I think Joff has has shown that he can be that guy. Like, I think that's a. I think Collison's a really good comparison for him, and I have a lot of respect for Collison. Actually, I, in high school and in college, I wore number forty. In, as an homage to Collison, really? So, you know, yeah. <laughs> he was number four at Kansas, and he was one of my favorite players. Uh, so nice. So, so that's a when I say that, I've given Joffrey a big compliment there. But, uh, uh, but no, I, I think you know, last year he had some good post moves. He did some things on offense, and I, not great, but he did some things that made me think maybe that this could be something he can develop. And you know, watching him in summer league, it really nothing's really changed. I don't think he's really. I don't. I don't know that he's going to become a go-to option on on offense. And what I mean by that is, I don't think we're going to run plays where it's like, all right, let's get the ball into Joff here. Yeah. You know, and use him as the trigger. I don't think that's going to be his game. It might happen, like you said, he's young. He's only been in the NBA for five months. Um, but I, I, I just don't think that's his ceiling. I think his ceiling is much more of the guy that comes in and and bangs around on defense, grabs a ton of boards, um, and then just runs the court. He's really good at at. at uh, when, some, when the other big secures the rebound, he sprints the other way um, and, and does what's called a rim run, running right, running right to the paint and trying to establish position or at least drag the defense back.
1: Yeah, I thought he was, he, he was pretty impressive in offensive rebounds. and Obviously him and Jokic had a couple opportunities where they were trying to hit some tip-ins, but that's where I see his game too. You know, Getting some of those offensive rebounds, create extra possessions, clean up some of those you know ugly offensive boards, get some putbacks, and sure. maybe hit a three point shot every once in a while for you, which, you know, Moody has found him a couple times and seems like a decent shooter, but you're right. They're not going to run post plays for him. He's not going to shoot three or
0: four threes a game, you know, maybe the, one or two. Yeah, that three point shooting is the wild card here because there's, you know, there's a handful of these hustle guys in the league. Yeah. But not very many of them that do his skill set and then can also knock down a three or two. And I'll say this he shoots the ball with confidence. It looks like he has the green light, even though he's not. I don't think he's a high-percentage shooter at this point. But the one thing I do notice is that Nuggets' guards tend to look him off a lot. And this happened last year in the regular season. It's happening in summer league now. So I wonder... Looking him off in the post? No, I'm sorry, along the perimeter. So there's been a handful of times where he's been wide open on the wing. And the defense has kind of been like, I see you. I'm going to try this other thing first just (laughs) because we know that's kind of a last resort option, not really something we're looking to, you know we're eager to throw you the ball there. So it'll be something to watch um, if that continues. But as of right now, he hit two the other day. Um, those are big points because those are kind of, those are like I said, those are points that kind of bail you out of possession sometimes. And those four guys, Moutier, Jokic, uh, Harris,
1: and jaffrey are, are the four that we're looking at that are probably going to play significant minutes in some regard for the Nuggets this season. Uh, two guys, three guys even, Jamal Franklin, who I think he- – it, is out. He might be getting waves. I
0: think he's out. Yeah. yeah, he wasn't suited up the other day. He
1: didn't suit up yesterday. And with the with some of these re signings, a non guaranteed deal. I think he's on his way out. Yeah. Uh, then you look at there's Eric Green and Ian Clark, two at best third string point guards. You know maybe they give you a little bit of minutes if somebody gets hurt or something happens with your with Jamir Nelson or Moutier, uh, and then the Ty Lawson situation. But you look at those two guys, and that kind of leads us into you know looking at some of the off season moves. You know, who are they going to keep out of those two? I would tend to say maybe Green, but then you look at the re-sign of Jameer Nelson. If you don't trade Ty Lawson before the season, you're not going to carry four point guards going into the season. Right, right. So it's it's, it's
0: What did you those think? Those guys, I think both work better as off-ball players. First of all. Um, Green's, it,
1: Green's kind of a,
0: a shooting guard and a point guard yeah, body. Yeah, well, both of them kind of are because, uh, I mean, even Ian Clark is just tiny. I bet you he's 150 pounds soaking wet. Yeah. Just a really, really tiny guy out on the court. And uh, Green is, is really skinny. He's got some length to him. Both of those guys, here's what I would say about them. They impressed yesterday. They played really well. Their skill set, um, they're kind of those guys that are like a number they're, they're – they're number two options that aren't good enough to be number two options. Their game is kind of, you know, to, to create scoring opportunities or knock down shots. Right. I just don't see either one of them being that useful on the Nuggets roster. Of the two of them, I would probably keep Green. He's the one that's been here the longest. He's always at Pepsi Center working out. I think he's established rapport with the, uh, in the locker room with some of the guys. But I wouldn't really expect any of either of those guys to be uh, long term NBA guys, to be honest. What do you think?
1: You were one of the guys, I, I believe, on our last podcast that kind of talked me out of wanting to re-sign Jameer Nelson and just hand the keys to Moutier and just go no, play. No, that was that definitely not, not me. Oh.
0: I am a, I am a Jameer guy. <laughs> okay. No, Jameer is my guy, man. I he he's a phenomenal player, and he's honestly he's one of the perfect guys to mentor. Uh, Moody, in my opinion, they're different. Um, Do you want
1: to see him start? Like, if he obviously no. he's back, who yeah. starts and, and I, how
0: many minutes I, should I, he play? Jam- First of all, make no mistake, Jameer Nelson will almost certainly be the better and more consistent player this season. But I'd rather see Moody start. He needs to be getting the reps. He's clearly going to be at the level where he can. He's not going to be killing us out there on the floor. He's right. good enough, and he's going to learn quick enough. Um, Jameer is is a super high IQ basketball player. He really sees a lot of things that other people don't. He's a he's a floor general when he's out on the court, kind of tell, getting everybody where they're supposed to be. These are things Moutier has a skill for, and I think he'll be a quick study, but it would be, just be perfect for him to be there. Uh, the contract's great. I'm thrilled that he wants to be here. Um, he That's pretty big. I mean, he could
1: have – I don't know how many contenders wanted him, but he probably could have found a one-year veteran minimum deal or a two-year second-year team option, and he chose Denver,
0: which is – to me, I think it's kind of a good sign for the front office. Absolutely a good sign. That can't be uh, overstated because he – I think he could have gone to 29 teams. Um, you know, he got a good deal here for him here here in Denver. It's not a ton of money, but, it, you know, it's good money. But – he could have sacrificed a million or two million here and gone and been on a playoff team and, and, and really been an impact player. So he's so making about
1: $4.5 a, a season with the Nuggets now, three years, $13.5
0: Three years, not that long at all. Um, it's going to yeah. carry us basically through this rebuild with some of these young guys, and I just think he's going to I, – I think that's a phenomenal signing. I'm, I'm thrilled with it.
1: I found, too, that when he started playing in Denver – I know this is with Andre Miller, but more so with Jameer Nelson versus Ty Lawson – his ability to find guys in the pick and roll, to find that roll man with passes, he put the ball right where it needed to be. Utilized bounce passing, and to me, that's where he's going to help Moutier. Is just, you know, not even sitting him down and saying, "Here's how you play." You know, it's just Moutier sitting on the bench watching him operate is going to really help yeah. him. And and Eric Green talked about that with Ty, how much Ty has taught him by just sitting on the sidelines and watching him play. And I, I think it was valuable to bring him back. Uh, they also brought back, or, or I don't know if it's finalized yet, but Will Barton coming back. Sure, yeah. Uh, he's an interesting piece. I'm, I'm happy they're bringing him back because again, I think it's a good sign for locker room
0: culture and for where the team is building. He's another guy that's embraced Denver. He's embraced the Nuggets. He wants to be here. From the moment he got here, he, he, he called this his opportunity. It became his opportunity. He seized it, and I think he wants to learn. I'm not high on his skill set. Um, he does a lot of things. Well, I think his shot selection is going to need some work. His defense is going to need some work. But he's young. Um, He's got some upside. And Malone's going to be vastly different than Shaw, vastly different even than Melvin Hunt. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how he fits. I felt
1: that his ceiling and the role that, you know, when I say I really like a guy and I like his game, I also understand... His game. I mean, I think if he's a seventh man, eighth man, and fits a, a solid role of 15 to 25 minutes a night, depending on how he's playing, that's success for him. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily think that he needs to become a starter and the long-term solution at shooting guard. I, I think that's too high of a ceiling for him. So, yeah. you know, it's important when you're building a team that you got to fill out these these little spots, and I think he does that. Uh, another guy, Wilson Chandler, coming back on a renegotiated contract that's gonna increase his salary this season and then add an additional three seasons to that for the total of four years. Uh, I like that too. I, I think for the same reasons of you know building a culture, having guys that, you know, are established in the league that can show these young guys how to play, as well as he's not at a position where he's gonna be affecting somebody's minutes. Like they need him right. at small forward or power forward and it, it's a perfect fit.
0: You look at the Nuggets that were fun to cheer for over the last couple of years, um, and a lot of them. They're, they're, it looks like they're trimming some of the fat and keeping some of the good, you know, the good guys. So Nelson, Chandler, you know, I think Gallo as well. Even though there's been some reports, um, Barton, and uh, you know, obviously the young guys. I think it's going to be a, such a different culture than what we've seen over the last two years, um, and I'm excited for it.
1: There's three guys I want want to see what they do with Ty Lawson, obviously. I want to see what they do with J.J. Hickson, and I want to see what they do with Randy Foy. They kept Foy. His deal is now guaranteed, but that's no guarantee he's going to be on the team if they come up with something. And then Yusuf Nurkic tweeted this morning a picture of him and Darrell Arthur in the weight room at Pepsi Center uh, just saying that he's back, meaning he's back in Denver from wherever he was. He's been in Denver uh, on and off this offseason. I'm really curious to see if they re-sign Darrell Arthur, because that would be kind of a – you have a giant logjam then at power forward. You have Arthur, Hickson, Fareed, Jokic that all would need minutes. So, and, and you can play – obviously you can play Gallinari at power forward in some lineups. So it's, it's going to be interesting, but I agree with you. I think that they are starting to take a little bit of a, a direction, but I like the, the culture that
0: they're building around the team. Absolutely. And that's another thing about Jameer Nelson. He's got an MBA Ph.D., that, that's that's really how you look at it. Anytime, Dr. Nelson. Yeah, Dr. Nelson. Anytime you put a, a doctor, a PhD in the locker room like that and on the court, it's going to elevate the other players.
1: It was interesting because Jameer left a situation like that in Orlando, but it might not have been his choosing, right? Sure, like They could have sure. just said, hey, we're turning it over to these young guys. So it, it's good stuff coming from the Nuggets. You
0: got anything else to add? Um, on overall? Yeah, overall. <laughs> um you know, the one thing I'll say is that Mike Norrie has been awesome. It's been really fun talking with him. We had an interview with him. I think we've had two now. Um, and uh, it's really rare for a coach to kind of open up uh, beyond just the typical coach speak and, and, you know, the platitudes and things about teams playing hard and this and that. Norrie's like a passionate guy. You can see it in his eyes. He's having a blast. He's embracing this opportunity to be a head coach, even though just albeit just for summer league. And, um, you know, he talks exit his nose with you. You know, he'll talk anything you you give him. He's passionate. He wants to go on and on and on about it. It's really – it's refreshing and it's really, really cool.
1: I think it's funny how he's been painted as – you know, he has his backgrounds in baseball. He's a baseball guy, I think a player, maybe a coach to some degree there. He gets in the NBA game. He's been in the NBA for a while now. And it's – his enthusiasm for working with – you like basketball. I'm yeah. sure there's other sports you pay attention to, or other stuff no. you pay attention to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you don't just because you're a baseball guy doesn't mean you only know baseball. Right, you know, right. it's, so it's like you said too. Him being himself, even Malone have been watching. Malone and Pinkney have been having a lot of conversations yeah, during during games. Uh, but
0: yeah, Nori just comes with but kind of what. Kind doesn't of, Pinckney look like the kind of guy that you don't want to disappoint? Yes. Like That guy could really like put you in the little kid's chair and really make you feel tiny. He's an overpowering guy. I think he could palm a head and yeah. just lift you up and tell you, like, don't do that
1: anymore. And know? he's
0: okay. kind of got a resting scowl to him, too. Like <laughs> He's an intimidating force there. I
1: haven't said hi to him yet. Uh, officially like I was going to yesterday and he laughed and then yeah it's kind of somewhat for that reason because you don't know <laughs> if he's just going to like bonk you over right. the head and be like don't talk to me kid uh, but
0: uh, but the culture's been great I mean I, I, I'm going to write about this here very soon but you know, there's still the Ty Lawson thing hanging over the head of the organization. No matter what reports come out or what's denied, that's hanging over everything right now. And it's leaking into, Moutier was asked about it yesterday after the game. And so. that's going to become a, a, a pain in the ass, really, to be to be yeah. honest here, over the, over the next couple months here. Especially if it lingers into training camp. But, outside of that, the culture has really changed. The mood has really changed. The Nuggets, you know, uh, the night of the draft, they were relieved, obviously, to get Moutier. Um, I think they were... I think they were a little just tired and worn out from trying to, to trade try, tie. I'm, I'm projecting here. I don't know this, but this is kind of my read on it. Um, here in Summer League, they've been walking around, not really with their chests out, but they've been they've been a lot lighter. There's been a lighter spirit to the Nuggets uh, front office and, and coaching staff. Everybody's excited about what's going on. They're talking. They're laying back. They're laughing. They're having a good time. and um, It definitely feels like a new day. I, I joked on Twitter the other day that, the Nuggets have been upgraded from sell, uh, from from selling their stock to now they're a don't buy, which is, you know, one step at a time here.
1: What show is that from? Mad Money or something?
0: Yeah, that's the, the CNC whatever. <laughs> yeah, the Mad Mad Money.
1: And it's funny, too. I mean, I the open container laws in Vegas are, you know, there's not one, so I don't know if these guys are drinking on the way to these games, if the front office is happy because they've had a few drinks, or maybe they're just elated <laughs> by something else, but we've seen even uh, Stan Kroenke was out here, Josh Kroenke was with him, uh, talking to Warren Legare, who puts on Summer League, who's also the agent for George Carl and Mike D'Antoni, and even those guys were yucking it up and having a good time, so you're right, though. I mean, it's it's been kind of a light-hearted scenario, and that's what Summer League's all about. You know, you're just finding out what you have in young Guys and, and kind of having fun with the league as a whole. By
0: the by the way, one, just once I want to sit at the poker t- or at the uh, blackjack table with Silent Stan because you know <laughs> yeah. I like I like to play my five dollar blackjack. That's fun. Yeah. You know, thirty dollars goes a long way there. I think Stan, Stan could probably sit at the table and play like fifty thousand dollar hand blackjack.
1: <laughs> he was rocking the the sunglasses indoors, too.
0: He he keeps the poker face well hidden. He's one of the few guys that can walk into the casinos out here and buy the place, if he would. (laughs) He's also inclined. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All
1: right, man. Well, yeah, that's good. Just a short little synopsis of what we're seeing out here at Summer League. Adam, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and we'll be back
0: next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop.